The first thing is First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. We have a streaker. <laughs> Did you Wait, see is that? is it you? No, oh, no, no, no. Good. You probably didn't see it because TV never shows it, but there was a streaker during the Super Bowl yesterday. I did hear something about it. I think I was putting out snacks still. Yeah, good, good. You know, your uh, your virgin eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, okay. actually, I, somebody did post a video. It, it, it wasn't a full streak. It was just some shirtless guy who ran on the field. Uh, it was during a play, and he got, got tackled by security. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's official now. The Kansas City Chiefs are a dynasty. But I got to say, Renee, last night's last night's game was, was kind of a tough watch for me. It was so boring up until overtime, pretty o- much. Overtime was the best quarter. Oh, my of- gosh. It was like the commercials were a snooze fest. Usher was good. Yeah. You know what? Uh, just like just like every Super Bowl halftime show, uh, people are split on it. I of course. thought Usher started slow, but once he got into the slow jam medleys, and then he brought in the roller skates. Uh, the roller skates. I was so impressed. Me too. He was good on those roller yeah, skates. Yeah, he was. Here's the thing, though. He should have started the halftime show with Turn Down for What, and then he should have ended it with Turn Down for What. I agree with you. So, but, with you. Yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of storylines. Patrick Mahomes, he didn't look great, but he still won NFL MVP. Um, Super Bowl history was made twice. Local kid, 49ers kicker Jake Moody. He hit a 55-yard uh, field goal in the first half, which was a Super Bowl record, until the third quarter when Harrison Butker of the Chiefs hit a 57-yarder in the third. And I think that uh, even though Jake Moody missed the extra point, if if San Fran pulled that out, he might have been the MVP. I don't know. And, you know, I'm going to agree with you because I believe that's something my husband was saying. <laughs> <laughs> Back me up, Dave. But, uh, you know, you and I, and I'm surprised Travis Kelsey isn't getting more guff for this. But that that display of anger on the sidelines against Andy Reid where um, he was mad that he wasn't in on the, the play where, where Pacheco fumbled it near the goal line, and he started screaming at Andy Reid. He bumped into him, causing Andy Reid to drop his uh, play play sheet. That was pretty that, – that, that was kind of a, a concerning moment, and you're not hearing a whole lot of people talking about it today. Uh, I saw a lot of memes already on Facebook. Yeah, I saw the memes. Yeah, it, you know, it, it was uh, not a good look for him, and no. all I'm going to say is I don't think any of our boys would have handled themselves that way with Dan Campbell. Oh, yeah, D- Dan Campbell would have, like, give him a uh, tombstone pile driver or something. Well, and it's, I think it's a respect thing. I think our guys yeah. respect him too much to act that way. And I don't care if you were caught up in the moment. Yeah. I get it. We've all been there, but that was not a good look on national TV. Run, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and, and the thing is, um, I mean, Andy Reid, obviously, he's a very revered coach, one of the best coaches of all time. He's, he's very well liked by his players. Um, I think to me, the concerning thing is that I, Travis Kelsey obviously didn't mean to bump into him. No. But the fact that he bumped into him because he lost control, it's like, OK, yeah, if I'm Andy Reid, what I'm doing is he he's run he's running stairs the first day of training camp. <laughs> right. Like he did say that he apologized. Travis Kelsey apologized. Good. Good. He should have. But still, if it's, I'm Andy yeah. Reid, I'm like, hey, um, great season. 
Uh, it was great winning the Super Bowl. Let's win it again. However, um, you are doing uh, you you are just doing back and forth stairs on the uh, yeah. uh, on, on the uh, the yard lines. You're done. Yeah. You're done from here on out. So. <laughs> We'll be talking about this more with Guy Lloyd and Jamie coming up, but uh, on to the next. Uh, the, the the Lions Super Bowl offseason starts right now. Today. Yes. <laughs> um, so the Israeli army, they conducted raids in southern Gaza, the city of Rafah. Uh, uh, they freed two hostages. I heard in the news they said that they found more. I don't know if they found all of them, but nonetheless, two hostages were freed. Benjamin Netanyahu, he's ordering the Israeli military to plan evacuations from Rafah ahead of a ground invasion. CIA Director Bill Burns, he is uh, heading to Cairo this week to meet with Egyptian, Qatari, and Israeli officials in hopes of drafting a new deal to secure the remaining hostages that were taken uh, by Hamas on October 7th. Hamas says that it will abandon all talks if Israel moves into Gaza. And Renee, the Israeli military is saying that they've made a big discovery underneath the U.N. Agency for Palestinian Refugee Headquarters underneath Gaza. Yeah, they found a tunnel network hundreds of yards long and running partly, like you said, under UNRWA's Gaza headquarters, uh, calling it new evidence of Hamas's exploitation of the main relief agency for Palestinians. The tunnel, which military said was 700 meters long and 18 meters deep, revealed side rooms. There was an office space with steel safes that had been opened and emptied. There was a tiled toilet that That's important, I guess. Uh, A large chamber was packed with computer servers, another with industrial battery stacks. Army engineers took reporters for foreign news outlets through the passages at a time for crisis for UNRWA, which has launched an internal probe and seen a string of donor countries freeze funding over allegations last month, if you remember, by Israel that some of its staff doubled as Hamas operatives. And the Palestinians have accused Israel of falsifying information to tarnish UNRWA, which employs 13,000 people in the Gaza Strip and has been a lifeline for the aid in excuse me the aid dependent population for years. You know this agency it runs schools, primary health care clinics, and other social services. It distributes aids, so you know purely humanitarian. Yeah, and the Israeli army they carried out airstrikes in the southern city uh, of Rafah in Gaza, uh, killed forty four civilians, and back here closer to home, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. He's back in the hospital with bladder issues. At this time, everyone was notified and power has been transferred to his deputy. Really scary story from Houston. A woman with a long gun and a trench coat walked into Joel Olstein's megachurch shortly before 2 p.m. yesterday and opened fire before being gunned down and killed herself. A five-year-old child she was with was hit in the gunfire. That child's in the hospital in critical condition. And a 54-year-old man who was not... Um, involved in the shooting, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't with the the, the woman with the long gun. Uh, he was hit in the leg, so no word on his injuries. And the identif- uh, the identity of the five Marines that were killed in that helicopter crash last week, when they were returning from a routine training mission in Nevada to their home base near San Diego, their um, identif- identities have been released, and one of them is from right here in Michigan. Yeah, one was from Traverse City. Captain Miguel Na- uh, Neva, 28 of Traverse City, he was named by the military on Friday as being port- part of that that 
crash in the mountains near San Diego, which has been described as a historic storm. Nava was a CH-53E pilot. The decorated Marines were assigned to Marine Heavy Helicopter Squadron 361, Marine Aircraft Group 16, 3rd Marine Aircraft Wing, and were based out of Miramar in San Diego. The other victims, Lance Corporal Donovan Davis, 21, of Olaf, Kansas, Sergeant Alec Langan, 23, of Chandler, Arizona, Captain Jack Casey, 26, of Dover, New Hampshire, and Captain Benjamin Moulton, 27, of Emmett, Idaho. All of them in their 20s. Yeah, too young, too young. And um, obviously, um, that atmospheric river uh, was a factor, and um, that on top of the the tough conditions in the mountains near San Diego were big contributors to the death to their deaths. Jonathan Greenblatt, CEO of prominent Jewish group the Anti-Defamation League is criticizing White House officials for meeting with Osama Sablani, the publisher of the Arab American News for comments Sablani made about Hamas after the October 7th attack on Israel, saying they were not a terrorist organization, a delegation from the White House met with leaders of the Muslim and Arab communities last week after an earlier meeting was canceled due to the Muslim and Arab leaders refusing to meet with White House representatives because of their displeasure over how President Biden was handling the Israel-Hamas war. And uh, over the weekend, uh, President, former President Donald Trump, he was at a rally in South Carolina. He said that he would encourage Russia to do whatever the hell they want to NATO members who don't pay their bills. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Now, was this uh, Donald Trump just just bloviating and speaking off the top of his head with a friendly audience? Or does he really intend to use Russia and Putin as his enforcement wing for NATO? Uh, all I know for sure, Renee, is that 2024 is looking very bleak. <laughs> I mean, if, if both of these guys are our choice for president. Um, we all lose. Yeah. It, <laughs> Sorry. It, you know what? It's a choice between uh, breaking your toes and breaking your foot. Right. <laughs> Which way would you like to be That's incapacitated? First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And we bring Guy Lloyd and Jamie in heading into JR Morning and... It's not like Patrick Mahomes needed to cement his place in the Hall of Fame, but he did last night. And despite the fact that the game went into overtime, I, I got to say, I, I was kind of bored for most of it. I, well, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. The game, the commercials, it was it, all boring. Okay. We had, we, so we're watching the game at my son's house. Gail finally, towards the end of the third quarter, as I fell asleep, said, okay, it's time for us to go home. (laughs) (laughs) I did that. Uh, Well, before that muffed pun, I was going to just turn the game off and and read about it later on. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, both teams looked sloppy. It was was really weird for the Chiefs to look sloppy because they'd been there many times before, but... Obviously, uh, that that incident on the sideline between Travis Kelsey and what Andy Reid was, was very wow. that was really weird. Ron Taylor, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, that was their whole season. They were just as not as dominant as they used to be, and uh-huh. everyone's like, "This is not their year." And yet, here we are again with the yeah. Chiefs winning a Super Bowl. Second of all, I think he was mad he wasn't in the game to block. Right. He was, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It, I mean. To me, the concerning part is uh, he. Did, I don't. I know he didn't mean to bump Andy Reid, but I, I think the fact that he was so angry that he lost control of of, of kind of doing that and the look on his face. It, it, it was as Renee said earlier, a bad look. But um, you know, the chief. I don't know. That happens in sports. The bumping isn't great, but you talk to your coach. Yeah. When you're hyped up, it's a Super Bowl. I have no problem. Whatever. Did, did you get the feeling that somebody invited um, the? 
2008 Lions to the Super Bowl or something like that. <laughs> Why is that? Just because they were miscue after yeah. miscue on both sides. Yeah. Dumb penalties. Then you think going, like the, the Lions would have fared pretty well, oh, at least oh, in the yeah. beginning. I kept saying that. Yeah. I, kept, I said the Lions would have did pretty good. When the Niners finally pulled off that razzle-dazzle play for, Which was for a touchdown, I went, well, that was a Ben Johnson call. Yeah. 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 Well, and uh, kind of ugly, though, but yeah. it worked. Well, and the thing was, yeah, and, and the thing was, you couldn't really call it a defensive battle because it was it, it, the defense wasn't playing great as much as the offenses were just playing kind of terrible. Yeah, they moved backwards more, and, and some yeah. of it was because of defensive pressure, but you're right. They would make dumb mistakes or fumbles. There was a lot of turnovers in that game, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to the commercials, I, I mean, here's the thing. I every year people say the commercials have have been, it was a down year for commercials. I don't remember a great year for commercials. When was the last Super Bowl oh. where we had really great? Com- Maybe the one with the with, with the Eminem um, commercial where. Um, Made uh, imported from Detroit. Yeah, that's it. I'm sorry, I had to think if you were talking about the candies or the, the no, rapper. no, yeah, it was the car commercial. But yeah. other than that, I, the the commercials always seem to be lackluster to me. You know, I, they have a problem with is how do you top yourself year after year? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? I thought Usher was great. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I thought I thought he started slow, but yeah. once once he got into the slow jam medley, and then he brought in the roller skates, Little John. I think I, I think he finished very strong. I didn't care for the white outfit at, at the beginning, though, <laughs> like he was going to serve communion. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I said that's a lovely bro- yeah. brooch, Mister Raymond. Communion, <laughs> communion in Vegas. Yeah. Talk, exactly. Talk about a there's not a enough contradiction. <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, yeah. Overall, uh, Usher was good. Commercials were eh. Game was eh. Um, you know, I was a little caught. I don't know how to feel about Carl Weathers being in the FanDuel commercial because because obviously they 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 shot that before they knew yeah. he was going to pass away. Yeah, and and you can't cut him out. But it was just it, it was kind of like it. It, it, it was good to see him, but it was also kind of sad yeah. to be reminded but of that. But you saw during... the tribute at the end, right? They yeah. re-edited it, which was appropriate. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was, I thought they that paid, was nice. They paid uh, their money. They got to, you know, show the commercial. I mean, that's kind of yeah. yeah. I mean, this is did it seem like there business. were a lot more movie commercials too? Boy, yeah, is Hollywood desperate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of movie I mean. Yeah, they were they were working overtime to get attention. And did you see any in there that you went, "Ooh, I I really got to see that." You know, the, I, the Apes movie, eh. Is that the one that's coming out in Thanksgiving? No, on Thanksgiving? The, I, it it might be, but um Wicked's also coming Wicked, out. Wicked, that's yeah. Thanksgiving. Oh, Remind me closer that. to Thanksgiving. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, me personally, I always thought the origin story of the Wicked Witch of the West would have made a better horror movie. But, you know, I, I still she's still one of my favorite villains of all time. Always. Um, she scared me as much as Freddy Krueger did when I was a kid. So um, I'll, and I'm not a big musicals guy, so I think I will go see the movie. Listen to her with the French thing on when you're on your DVD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, kind, now it's kind of a hangover. I mean, it was a great season. Um, and, and now it's kind of a bummer that uh, there's there's no more NFL football till next spring. But we got that draft coming up, and that uh, the setup looks pretty awesome. Yeah. It does. Oh yeah, those pictures mm-hmm. that were released this weekend look amazing. It's crazy. Uh, can we also say that the full squad for the Tigers reports this coming Sunday, the 18th? Well, we're just six days away from, from all the guys being there. Right. Yeah. The others are coming day after tomorrow. Which okay. means there's only arriving. 
There's only six more weeks left of winter. <laughs> Once right. right. If you see the if you see Eduardo Rodriguez's shadow, shadow. Uh, well, not him. All right, Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champions, third time in five years. They beat San Francisco in overtime yesterday, twenty-five to twenty-two. Patrick Mahomes, uh, slow start, but he ended up uh, throwing for three hundred and thirty-three yards and two touchdowns, including the game winner to McCole Hardman. With just seconds left in overtime, he was the Super Bowl MVP. And uh, there was a streaker. It had everything. (laughs) A little something for everyone. (laughs) Also, uh, it turns out it's not pronounced Timu. It's Temu, which was a a major revelation. I had no idea. Yeah. Just, Just call it crap. That's what it is. My my wife read a meme that said Temu Timu uh, just took all your credit card information and bought two Super Bowl ads with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, The Israeli army, they conducted raids in the southern Gaza city of Rafah over the weekend, freeing two hostages, finding a number of others. Benjamin Netanyahu, Israeli prime minister, he's ordering the Israeli military to plan evacuations from Rafah. Ahead of a ground invasion, they carried out airstrikes, killing 44 civilians. Hamas is threatening against talks, any further talks, if the Israeli army does move into Gaza. CIA director Bill Burns, he's headed to Cairo to meet with Egyptian Qatari and Israeli officials in hopes of drafting a new deal to secure the remainder of the hostages taken by Hamas on October 7th. A woman with a long gun and a trench coat walked into Joel Olstein's mega church in Houston shortly before 2 p.m. yesterday and opened fire before being gunned down herself and killed. A five-year-old child she was with was hit in the gunfire. That child's in the hospital in critical condition. A 54-year-old man, a bystander, was also hit in the leg. Jonathan Greenblatt, CEO of the Anti-Defamation League, a group that fights anti-Semitism. He's criticizing White House officials for meeting with Osama bin, I'm sorry, Osama Siblani, publisher of the Arab American News, for comments Siblani made about Hamas after the October 7th attack on Israel, saying that they were not a terrorist organization. A delegation from the White House met with leaders of the Muslim and Arab communities last week after an earlier meeting was canceled due to the Muslim and Arab leaders refusing to meet with White House representatives because of their pleasure over how President Biden is handling the war in Israel and Hamas. Uh, Donald Trump raising eyebrows again over the weekend at a rally in South Carolina. He said that he would encourage Russia to do whatever, what, whatever the hell they want to NATO members who don't pay their bills. Wow. Um, the Marine Corps, they released the names of five Marines killed in a helicopter crash last weekend, returning from a routine training mission in Nevada to their home base in San Diego. Um, ages of the men range from 21 to 28 uh, and 28-year-old Captain Miguel Nava of Traverse City was one of them. Uh, getting back to the Super Bowl last night, Renee, um, it's time now to turn our focus to next season. And that starts with the NFL draft. That's going to be right here in Detroit. Yeah, that's coming like a freight train, the 25th through the 27th of April. And And here's the thing, weather in Michigan is a little iffy at that time, so hopefully it's nice. However, it doesn't matter because here in in Michigan, you know, opening day 
it seems like it's always cold. So us here in Michigan, we'll show up and show out. And for you out-of-towners, dress for either snow or, or 90 degrees. It's a great way for Carhartt to uh, <laughs> showcase themselves, you know. Right, right. that's a Potentially. <laughs> Did you see the rendering of, of sort of the layout for uh, this? It's unbelievable. It's huge. It's larger than life, and you go, how are they going to do that? Right, right. The main, the main event, so to speak, is going to be right there in Campus Martius. But then... It's going to stretch south along Woodward to Hart Plaza, where where there's going to be a, a free draft experience there. So it's it, it looks like it's going to be pretty awesome. And last year's draft attracted three hundred thousand people. Yep, Gen- it's going to be crazy. Generated one hundred sixty four million for the city, and this will be the second straight year that the host city wins the Super Bowl. That's right. I'm manifesting. I, I, you know what? You you were manifesting early in the season that the Lions were going to do well, yeah. and they did. I'm so just, I'm with you, Mike. I'm just going to have to manifest a little harder this season. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. But we're going to do it. Ah, uh, yes. The Monday after the Super Bowl. Some of us are waking up with a hangover and regret for eating buckets of high-calorie foods between the chicken wings paired with a few slices of pizza, washing it all down with a beer. How do you get yourself back on a healthy track and possibly undo that damage? We're talking with Dr. Wendy Miller, the medical director of the Weight Control Center at Corwell Health of Southeast Michigan. Good morning, Dr. Miller, and help! Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me. So, Dr. Miller, you know, give us some words of encouragement if we were doing well on our diet or just eating healthy and we went a little bit overboard yesterday during the game. Okay. Well, first of all, don't get down on yourself. You know, you're only human. You just have to start again. So one of the most important things would be to hydrate starting first thing in the morning. Get yourself a big glass of water to start hydrating throughout the day and try to get 64 ounces of water throughout the day. Why is it 64 ounces of beer is easier than 64 ounces of water? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, when I think about, you know, the, the cure for a hangover, you there's so much bad advice out there. Let's say we overindulge in the beer. Uh, is there something, I know you can't completely cure it, but is there something that will uh, maybe alleviate it a little bit? Um, Yeah, again, going back to hydration, plus getting some exercise, believe it or not, can help you um, get rid of some alcohol. So, yeah, trying to get a brisk walk in or trying to get more steps throughout the day, you know, maybe considering a low-calorie electrolyte drink like Gatorade Zero to rehydrate, um, those types of things can help. And, of course, getting a good night's sleep the so, next night. So for those who, um, you know, have, have fallen off when it comes to, to overeating and they've been watching their calories, what, what are some of the best strategies that we can use to, to maybe get back on track after a day of overindulgence? Yeah, so don't just try to starve yourself. You know, try to still eat on a schedule, you know, particularly three meals a day, plus or minus a couple healthy snacks. Try to focus on lean protein and vegetables and whole fruits and whole grains and seeds and nuts. Those are all very healthy for you. So um, trying to pre-plan the day instead of letting it unfold ahead of you, you know, food prepping, 
is a really good habit to get into. Prepping your lunches and or dinners for the week can be very helpful. You know, my uh, biggest problem is I'm always so bloated after a steady night of overindulgence. And I think that's a problem for a lot of women, maybe even some men. Uh, is there anything that we can do to do to alleviate that certain foods that help with that? Um, that's a great question. You know, getting up and moving around actually helps you get rid of excess gas and bloating. So really getting some more movement all throughout the day is going to help with that. Dr. Miller, what are your thoughts on, on cheat days? I'll follow someone like Dwayne The Rock Johnson on Instagram, and he's get, he has these huge uh, cheat day meals, and, and they're legendary. Would you suggest one day of indulgence for, for normal people who don't have the time to work out four hours a day, or do, do they do more damage than good? Um. So... Uh, different things work well for different people. So sometimes you just have to try things and see what works for you. If you have a cheat day or a cheat meal, I would still say to try to keep it, you know, regulated. Don't go overboard. And, you know, the scale can be so cruel <laughs> after a night of overindulgence, too. Uh it, do you recommend maybe taking a couple of days before you step back on? I know it's important to keep you in check, but it can also, I feel like, just just feel like total defeat. Right. So definitely the foods we eat on Super Bowl Sunday, they contain a lot of sodium. So some of that weight's going to be water weight, so it can be depressing. So, yeah, it might be good to just wait a couple of days before you weigh yourself. Well, Dr. Wendy Miller, Medical Director of Weight Control Center Corwell Health in Southeast Michigan. Thank you so much uh, for taking some time with us this morning. And uh, I'm sure your advice is going to help a lot of people, especially today. Okay, thanks a lot. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. A school district in Florida recently banned all cell phones. How much of a benefit is any to the kids? Kevin and Tom were joined by Andrew Brody, superintendent of Flat Rock Community Schools, to discuss it. Do you happen to know a teacher who teaches, I don't know, anyone between the ages of 10 and 18, middle school, high school? And do they ever bring up the I'm distractions? Sorry, I was on my phone. <laughs> exactly <laughs> my point. The distractions in the class. I hear this so often. One of the toughest things that teachers have to deal with and contend with are the the kids who are on their phone? I, I story the other day that I was I was told about about a, a teacher was a kind of disciplining or you know kind of verbally telling them hey you can't do that anymore and right. the kids pulled out their cell phones and started videotaping the teacher <laughs> so they can show their parents about the misbehavior of the teacher for daring to reprimand their kid for using the phone and it's a, that's just one of many things so in Florida right now they're you know the the law, lawmakers in the state they crack down on enacting this law that requires schools to prohibit phone use during instruction time. But there's a school district in Florida that has taken it a step further. This is, a, what, Orange County Public Schools. Yeah, Orange County. I, I think uh, during instructional time, lunch as well, uh, and periods between classes, I think they're. I think this is a tough ban. This is a strict ban. Yeah. Uh, they did uh, make some amendments for children with disabilities. They'll be allowed yeah. To, yeah. to use their phones. And uh, they are going to have a little grace period uh, for mm. people to get used to it mm. before the disciplinary measures, uh, including confiscation of phones and probably some detentions or things like that. If they still have that, I don't know if they can have do detentions they do in detentions? school anymore. Yeah. Might I... be too mean. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> that's, that's too harsh. It's <laughs> abuse. 
Let's bring in Andrew Brody, superintendent of Flat Rock Schools, past president of the Michigan Association of Superintendents and Administrators. Hey, Andrew, how are you? <laughs> I'm great, gentlemen. Good morning. Do they still have detention in school? <laughs> they do. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> Phew. Good. <laughs> uh, uh, this, this is a this is such an interesting issue to me. So, I, my understanding in Orange County, they're they're going to be allowed to have phones. They're just in their backpacks. They're they're nearby. They just can't be on them. And I guess that's uh, sort of the the biggest issue. I guess is like what happens if some terrible safety thing happens or a school shooting or some awful thing happens, uh, you want to be able to be in contact with your kids. As you look at this, what what are your thoughts on the pros and cons? Well, I think the first thing to to remember about every single classroom and every single common area, and, and I would assume every single school in the state, there is a phone, right? So there's already a phone in every classroom that, that can call out, dial out to 911, call the office if they need assistance. So oh. the whole concept of like, I need immediate access to my, my, my child, I think is, is just more of a uh, a parental concern piece, which is which is valid and understandable, but they can't get in the way and they can't be disruptive to the educational process. We don't allow phones during class. Um, we do allow phones, you know, in the hallways, but no one's allowed to talk on their phone. They can, you know, shoot their mom or dad a text or, or, or whatever. They're allowed in our cafeterias for, for the same purpose. No, no talking on your phone because it could be construed as disruptive or, or or things of that nature. But they're they're not necessarily allowed out in our classrooms. And one of the things that's really helped us in the last few years. I think for a long time we were trying to figure out how to incorporate the phone into learning. And ever since we've gone one-on-one in this district, you know, we now have these one-on-one devices that are owned by the school district, maintained by the school district, locked down by the school district. So that's really eliminated the need for anyone to have their phone out during class. That handles like the calculator or if you're going to Google search for information on the subject, that kind of thing. Uh, Absolutely. The, you know, the, the kids have such a wide digital footprint now in school. Most everything for us here runs through a, what's called the Google Classroom. And so they, all they, everything they need there, their, their textbooks, for lack of better terms, even though most of them are online at this point, um, their, their assignments are, are all in the Google Classroom, and then any type of artifacts or, or information that they produce also goes into their own Google Classroom. It's very fascinating, uh, this Orange County district, because they're saying, listen, there's been a, a pretty drastic improvement in student performance, whether it's academic performance or emotional resilience, they're, they're, they're being bullied less um what what impact do cell phones have do you think not just on maybe their academic performance which it does have an impact but on really the whole student so they can pay attention in class and become better individuals as a result yeah uh, again whether it's in class or out of class like you know when i was thinking about coming on today i'm thinking today is a beautiful day and we're going to get done with school at the high school today around 2.30. And, you know, my hope would be that every kid would go home and go outside and clean up the yard or play with their dog or play catch with their brother or sister. But the reality of it is they're probably going to go home potentially and scroll and go on TikTok and look at different things instead of, you know, just embracing the, the, the world around them. I mean, it's like it's going to be a great afternoon. And I would it, it's just so interesting to me how far we've gotten away from from that. And we're all. You know, my, myself included, like I was watching a movie with my wife last night, but I was scrolling at the same time. So we really have to make a commitment <laughs> I know. to to Did she really text you? Putting, putting those things down. She <laughs> Did she text she you? Yeah. I think she assumed I was working. So, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's the some that's the excuse you can use. Another excuse is that like I know kids use this, and my mind did as well. That listen, if I don't have a cell phone, I'm going to be isolated because all of my friends have cell phones as well. And it's ironic because it seems to be based on the Orange County School District, probably yours as well, that what they're finding is that the more they use their phones, the more isolated these kids become. One hundred percent, and how. And it, and it leads to so many, you know, dark paths for for kids. You know, if if a kid's online and they 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 put something out there and they don't get enough likes, all of a sudden they may go into a depressive state, which is not a thing that was even real to right. us ten years ago, right? But that that really impacts a kid's psyche and the way that they they handle things, or a lot of a lot of issues that come up at school result from things that happened outside of school via a social media account, a text message, multiple text messages, right? And by the time it gets back to school on Monday morning, it's morphed out of control. And then the assistant principal, the counselor, the social worker, the psychologist, everybody has to get involved to try to de-escalate, you know, whatever situation may have arisen. Tom was talking about uh, phone videos, kids taking classrooms, they go viral and, and all of that thing. Is, is there ever any discussion of the idea of a, of a classroom cam uh, where either, I, I mean, I'd, I'd love it if parents could check in and, and see how their kids are doing. They do this at doggy daycare. Yes. While you check in and see if your doggy's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, like, like just check in on the classroom or, or even if parents didn't do that because I totally understand the nightmare that would create yeah. but uh even for administration to go back uh, as a as a you know a way to improve education so i don't know if it's, it's about improving education but what i will tell you is that the majority of the collective bargaining agreements that govern govern a relationship between educational management and uh, the teaching staff have have very specific rules against electronic monitoring of education so that would be a, a collective bargaining and negotiation thing that would have to probably um take place during during a negotiation period if we were going to allow cameras into um, common spaces like like classrooms. Oh, well, yeah, well, that makes sense. I, I, I want to ask you this, because I, I do think cyberbullying is a real, real big issue. And I know having cell phones, allowing them in, in schools help facilitate that, especially, you know, whether it's in the classroom or not. The, the cell phones give bullies kind of this uninterrupted a- access to their victims. And it makes it easier to harass and whatnot. What measures do you think can be implemented um, to combat that, uh, the cyberbullying crisis, and to do it effectively? It's about educating the parent, and it's definitely about educating the student. It's about creating dialogue between between parents, students, and, and you know, and, and the school district. We, we run a lot of different uh, seminars and a lot of different things during our advisory period about what's appropriate on the phone and what's not appropriate on the phone. But quite honestly, you know, if I could just say one thing that would probably make the, the world a lot better when it comes to educating children is to have parents just be aware and be cognizant and spend time with your kids on their phones so that you know what's going on and what yes. they're saying and what they're mm-hmm. doing. You know, really checking in on them and just, you know, not assuming the worst because, you know, 90 percent of the kids are using, you know, using phones appropriately. But when they're not used appropriately, it has a incredible impact on both the individual child and the school that they're they're attending.